Welcome to the Rocket MSP Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Taylor. The following is an interview with Sean Morris, CTO of Titan HQ. Titan HQ started as an email security platform and has since added email archiving and web security services to their portfolio. I wanted to interview Sean to learn what it's like to be the CTO of a large services provider and ask some basic questions about how MSPs should get started in cybersecurity if they have not yet. Keep listening for the entire interview. Hey, how's it going, Sean? Great, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. So uh, thanks for popping on here today. Uh, Sean, you are the CTO over at Titan HQ. That's correct. All right. So how did you get to be the CTO? Like, where, what does your journey look like? Uh, that's, well, as uh, you can see, I'm getting on a bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Um, so I suppose I'm a, a physics grad, which is kind of a weird place to start a career in IT, but um, an awful lot of us have gone that route. I uh, spent quite a bit of time in the software development world in telco, um, in telecoms industry, um, more so on the equipment manufacturer side. Um, and that kind of, but I always wanted to be in IT. I actually kind of had a craving for the, the technology side of things from an early age and wants to be kind of in the thick of it. So I went from there to a small system integrator in the early noughties, which was an exciting time for lots of reasons. Um, and then working with a company there where we did a, a ton of interesting work. So I was kind of out with the customers, you know, implementing lots of uh, interesting systems, mainly CRM and stuff like that. But obviously those things have been integrated. Um, and then because that was a small company and that turned out to be an interesting time for a lot of the wrong reasons, I ended up moving from there um, to a company called Fidelity Investments, who I'm sure um, uh, your listeners are very familiar with. So kind of, uh, Ended up doing an awful lot of different things in Fidelity. I was there for 17 years um, and really kind of ended up with kind of a, a global role um, that spanned lots of different things at different points in time. But I guess what I carried forward from that into this role was a big focus on security and data and how that applies into the software development lifecycle because you know we're a product company. We um, build products and services for the cybersecurity industry, um, and uh, it's a big crossover. So that's, I suppose, where I um, uh, took from that and brought that into the role I'm in today. I think you're on mute, Steve. One of these days. <laughs> One of these days I'll not do that in an episode. So, <laughs> so as the CTO you are in charge of um, kind of the product itself, but you're also in charge of all the, you know, security and the technology for Titan HQ for you guys to operate as a business as well. Absolutely. We're, uh, we have uh, two mantras in this company, security first and MSP first, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, certainly um, to talk with security first part, uh, uh, and it's kind of come to the fore, um, maybe more so than ever in the last 18 months, right? Yeah. The reality of supply chain attacks, 
Um, I mean, it's always been for me, uh, I suppose I, I've done a lot of work on DevSecOps um, over the last 10, 15 years in my career. Um, but this is where it becomes real, right? So are you really paying attention to how you are ensuring that every aspect of your business, your product and your data are secure, right? So that's the security first part and, and really focusing on those sort of domains, you know, from a, um, uh, a tech perspective, ensuring we're really, we're really as good as we possibly can be. So I want this episode to be helpful for all MSPs, but I'm really going to be focused on questions that MSPs that have maybe fallen a little behind on their cybersecurity, I, I really want to focus on helping them because, you know, with with the way the internet is, you know, if, if they were to pop on Reddit and say, hey guys, how do I do better cybersecurity? You know, I would say at least 50% of the responses are going to say, one type of mean thing or trolling or, you know, whatever. Right. So it's, you know, you're almost discouraged to look to your peers for help in some of these situations. So let's help them. Um, so let's, let's start with, with the, the very basics. What is a cybersecurity framework? Yeah, it's a, it's a confusing area, Steve, it has to uh -huh. say. And um, it took me personally quite a while to get to grips with it. So I'm pretty sympathetic to anybody who's um, confused. Uh, I mean, in a nutshell, um, it's um, essentially, uh, I suppose there are a lot of different ways of looking at it, but essentially it's a way of describing, you know, the things that you should think about and ultimately uh, do to improve your cybersecurity posture, right? Um, there are loads of them out there. I mean, there's mm -hmm. probably, I, I would argue, four that are important to pay attention to, depending on the type of industry you're in. But, um, but really, they are a way to get you going on the journey, right? Um, it's never green fields, even if you are at the early stages of thinking about cybersecurity. It's never really green fields. You've always done something. You've got some awareness, right? In fact, these days, more people than ever have more awareness because there's so much media coverage on cybersecurity and the issues it kind of presents. So the framework gets you going to think about, okay, what are things I should be doing? And what are the areas I should think about in relation to cybersecurity in my business? So, and, and, I, and I ask that because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are aware, like I need to be doing cybersecurity and, and maybe they just think that means, you know, I need the products that Titan HQ sells and like antivirus and that's it. But there's there's a lot more that goes into it because when you pick a framework, you're, you're basically saying, I have a bunch of rules that I'm going to kind of follow, whether they are uh, government regulated or uh, audit based because of regulation or, or just requirements of your field, or you've just decided that these are the practices that I want to follow because I want my company to have a strong cybersecurity posture. I want to be, uh, I want, to, I want it to be really hard to get to our stuff. I know it's never impossible, but 
I want it to be really hard. So, um, so now we know what a framework is. And then there's another thing we hear about, and it's controls. Mm -hmm. So is a framework different from controls? Definitely. There's kind of a hierarchy in these things, right? And um, again, it's another area where the, there's an element of, there's probably a formal definition somewhere, but how I think about it is the framework is the, the you know, all the bits and pieces to think about in relation to cybersecurity, kind of the, the broad domain areas that you should focus on, whatever those might be, or practice areas. And again, that actually varies from framework to framework. They all have different ways of describing essentially the same thing. They do all overlap enormously. So in one sense, you can't go far wrong if you pick any framework. It's just a question of, is it best fit for your business at this point? But the controlled thing, Steve, it's like, if the framework is setting out the blueprint of the things you should think of in security, the controls are like the guardrails, right? So often almost synonymous with a process or a procedure, right? Um, and the reason controls are important is uh, in reality, if you do go to be certified, you wanna be certified on SOC 2 or ISO 27000 or something like that, then the reality is, is that the visibility to that the controls are being followed, as in there's auditable evidence that you did the thing um, as often as it was supposed to be done, whatever you committed to, um, that's the that's where the kind of rubber hits the road. So um, that's why controls are so important. And the other thing is kind of controls are also great in that, um, uh, great from my point of view, not always from everyone else's point of view, they're great because they actually they're there to remind everyone what it is that the best practice, best practices rather that we've decided we're going to follow in a given area, uh, with no one when no one's looking, right? You know, so it sort of sets out that, you know, and it pulls a policy might say, you know, we ought to consider um, how we're going to deal with data security. Your controls around data security will articulate exactly what's expected from everyone based on their role, etc., in your organization. And so you, you mentioned a couple like SOC 2 and ISO 27001. So there are quite, there's not quite a few. There, there are tons of different cybersecurity frameworks. And sometimes businesses need to be uh, proficient in more than one of them. Um, so if, if, we wanna, if we wanna get like technical, so to speak, we could say that HIPAA and uh, PCI are technically a cybersecurity framework, uh, or or more like a security framework, just to protect the uh, healthcare data or uh, credit card data. Um, but then there's you know so then there's also cybersecurity frameworks that are like global, and then there's the ones that are maybe specific to certain countries like NIST and CMMC, like these are uh, specific to the United States. And while Titan HQ doesn't really need to adhere to those for their own country, because you guys are in Republic of Ireland, so that means you're EU, not UK. I know that can get confusing for some of us <laughs> Americans. Um, so because of that, you don't have to adhere to like NIST and CMMC and all that kind of stuff, right? But you also understand the importance of being able to, to tell your American customers 
hey guys, you know, I, I understand that you know you need you need a vendor that can sign a a BAA for HIPAA. So you you might put things in place that allow you to, um, uh, you know, work help us with our controls on our end. So. So here's where I get a little confused is, okay, so like ISO 27001, that is like a global, that's that's like a uh, just a third-party organization of uh, companies and, and just really smart people all came together around the globe and they put together that framework. Uh, I know CMMC is American, so is NIST. Mm. What is CIS? Is that global or specific to America? I actually don't know a lot about CIS. <laughs> okay, enough. but um, I just well, I just hear that one a little more frequently these days. Yeah, I'd say it's sort of from from our point of view, sitting in the kind of the the, the product technology realm, um, it tends to be a combination of SOC two is extremely popular. Um, I mean, that's for, that's for almost every industry, but certainly for companies that are in the technology realm, SOC2 is um, a, a highly valued um, certification and it has a kind of a, an element of you can start with, you know, security and availability and extend processing and, 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 and other aspects um, of your business over time, right? So you can, you can extend certification, right, across different domains. ISO is definitely international. In fact, I would say both are international, um, completely international and global in scope. Um, ISO covers an awful lot of very similar ground. It just approaches it differently. It approaches it through, um, you know, the, the concept of you know establish, um, implement, maintain, and sort of evolve your security posture and looking at information and security systems um, from the point of view of your business. So you kind of have a Again, another way of parsing out what it is you should be thinking about. I think when um, when you get to uh, the um, NIST and, and CMMC, um, yes, they're US specific. I think where they differentiate in my mind, you know, NIST is voluntary. Um, it's uh, uh, just like ISO in a way. NIST and ISO are general standards organizations that happen to have a you know, a specific and, and um, I suppose, very well thought of, um, if I want to put it that way, uh, cybersecurity um, framework. Um, that's a kind of an orientation, orientating thing to think about in terms of your, your efforts there. Whereas, you know, CMMC is, is in reality, um, is a Department of Defense requirement that's becoming mandatory um, very shortly, uh, 2026, which will modify, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Um, and, and to clarify, I believe that's going to be mandatory for companies that have like government contracts. Yes. Not for like you know the the candy store down the road isn't going to have to adhere to CMMC, but you know if if you're working in like the government sector but you're still a private business, then that's where you'll have to to understand and adhere to CMMC. And I know that. Uh, they they already kind of tossed it aside and came out or or mentioned or however it works with like CMMC 2.0 because they I think they already realized that 1.0 was just a little a little extreme and it probably should have been that extreme yeah. but it also made it really difficult for people too mm. so I think that um, 
how do I want to say this? While, while I think we all agree that cybersecurity should be, you know, super important, I think we can also agree that, you know, sometimes if there's too many barriers, people just won't do it. So I think that's why they're looking to simplify CMMC in some regard. Yeah, I would say that um, certainly uh, from the point of view that CMMC is a maturity model that they've taken at least out of the off the starting blocks, a reasonably good approach because you can gain levels of maturity over time and maybe those levels of maturity, and I don't know the ins and outs of this, um, uh, if you like, open up um, more opportunities for you in terms of where you can play in that particular sort of realm. I do think though that there is one thing, Steve, that's a, a watch area um, uh, for MSPs particularly in this space, which is that uh, with the supply chain focus and of course um, in this particular you know in the, the department of defense side of things you're we're seeing cyber warfare being becoming a um it's incredibly real i mean even just recently in the, the ukraine and um, that's how kind of part of that conflict is kicking off right now um from a russian perspective so so i, I suspect that if you're part of the chain of supply to uh a um, Department of Defense contractor that may also require you to step up on this as well. So it's probably something that's worth investigating um, for your listeners to think about where do I sit in this? If I'm a candy shop, no problem, right? You're probably uh, not in that, um, uh, in that particular supply chain, but maybe you are somewhere in that supply chain, in which case that could be a, a knock-on from a business perspective to watch out for. And what I want to do is I want to have a conversation with you about Ukraine at the end. And I want to turn that into a special clip that won't be like part of the episode. People will have to listen to that separately, but that won't be too long. That I'm thinking maybe a 10 minute conversation for that. Um, all right. So, so earlier I mentioned that there are all these different types of controls and sometimes you might have to, or I'm sorry, frameworks or whatever they are, right? So uh, sometimes you might have to, you know, check off boxes on more than one list, right? So a doctor's office, mm. you know, they, they are uh, by regulation required to be compliant with HIPAA, right? But they may also say, you know, we know we have to do HIPAA, but... Maybe I'm one of the crazy doctors and I want to be focused on security because I know it's the right thing to do. So I'm also going to say I want my office to be compliant with NIST. Mm. And, and so the nice thing is that um, there are ways for and, and there's probably like a list out there somewhere where it says like, OK, these these boxes that you can check off for NIST correlate with these boxes on HIPAA? I, I don't think it's that simple, to be honest. I think that there, there is overlap. I think the... Um... And I don't, I don't think that you're going to check off... I don't think one will check off all the boxes. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's fair to say that um, if you're looking at... Uh, well, I, I saw a document on a cybersecurity vendor that they do security at the, I think the technical term is the perimeter of the network. So it, 
it's on the firewall. So yeah. they are able to say, you know, here's here's what we're able to help you. Um, here's here's how our product aligns with certain controls. So they were able to say, you know, this feature, and it actually they were able to list off all the the different boxes it checks off for the different frameworks. Now, yeah. every framework was not necessarily in every row, right? Mm -hmm. So so I understand that like just because a product has a boatload of features doesn't mean it's going to technically check off a box with every single cybersecurity framework because you know let's let's just say something simple maybe one framework doesn't have uh retention policy for how long mm -hmm. you keep your logs and another one does yeah. so if it says you need to review things in your firewall great you can check off that box but if it says you need to keep the logs for 10 years and you're not doing that it doesn't check off that box so and i know yeah. i'm grossly oversimplifying this but I'm also trying to to talk to the guys that maybe are still trying to understand, and and this is this is a huge thing to wrap your hand around. I'm having trouble hearing you. Siri, are you drunk? I was I was like, I hope you just answered that question, Steve. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Even Siri doesn't know what we're talking about. That's all I'm trying to say, Sean. <laughs> well, I think you're, I mean, you hit on a good point there. And it's, it's, it's funny that, um, I mean, there's, there's kind of some philosophical differences between these standards as well, right? So, uh, but they have, generally speaking, one thing in common, which is there's a bedrock of stuff that's kind of um, required to meet a minimum standard. And then there's what you're willing to commit to on top of that. And a lot of it comes down to doing what you said you would do, right? So whenever we're audited, we're not so much audited versus a standard that is, you know, SOC 2, because we are SOC 2 certified, we're audited versus a standard of SOC 2 plus what we said we would do and what our controls are committing us to as an organization, right? And I think that that's a really critical differentiator, um, which is as being certified versus um, a framework doesn't actually really guarantee you uh, being um, highly sort of um, secure um, from a cybersecurity perspective. It's the work you do as part of certification and your general culture and your kind of posture and how you think about this stuff that really drives that sort of you know, mindset um, and result for your for your business. So, so I mean, just to give you a simple example, right? Um, uh, you know, a good example of a requirement. You know, um, certainly for SOC two, um, and probably for every standard is, you know, do you do risk management? Do you have a risk register? Do your senior team meet to review that on a regular basis? Is it comprehensive? Is it updated regularly? All that sort of stuff. It's almost like probably you know to your um kind of starting point something that a lot of small companies would not necessarily even think of but it's the discipline of actually doing those meetings and having the conversations that is the control but what you decide in those meetings is kind of how you then influence the outcome for your own business from a security perspective so um 
for for people that are like, you know, I don't even understand what I, I'm just gonna pick NIST, okay? Because I, I know where to find some things with NIST. So again, this one's voluntary. There's there's no audit or regulations unless you wanna get uh, if you want to get into regulations, that's something else. If you want to get right. audited, I'm sure that there are companies out there that would uh, do third-party audits to your documentation to make sure that you are doing what you say you will do. Uh, though That's a very real thing, yep. but it's not a required audit process to say that you uh, adhere to, to NIST. It's not a regulatory compliance that you have to do. Right. So. Uh, with NIST, they have, it's called the NIST CSF, Cybersecurity Framework, and they have a document. It's called Framework for Improving Critical Infrastructure Security. The latest version is 1.1, and that's from April 16th, 2018. And let's be honest, some things probably need to be updated after the last 18 months. However, this document, like, you know, the, the title sounds scary, right? Framework for Improving Critical Infrastructure Cybersecurity. That sounds like it's going to be an intense book, and you're like, where's the for dummies version? But this <laughs> document, including the appendices, is 55 pages. And, mm. and you might even be thinking, wow, that's a lot of pages for like a PDF. I was, I was looking for like a three-page explainer. Yeah. But I mean, I think this is this is probably going to be like the easiest explainer that you can get. Now, Sean, have you read this document? No, I have not. I haven't either. Uh, there's a lot of words that are big, and there's a lot of acronyms. Um, so if if I look here, though, like in the table of contents, it has, uh, once you get past all the acknowledgments and the executive summary and all that, they've got... Um, 21 pages of actual stuff to read, right? So they go from the framework intro to basics to how to use the framework, self-assessing cybersecurity risk with the framework. Mm. And then, like I said, they've, they've got appendices. They literally have 25 pages of appendices, okay? So, and for those of you that don't know what I'm saying, it's appendix, but plural. Um, <laughs> so they've got, uh, over 20 pages, just of framework core appendix, and then they've got a glossary and an explanation of what some of these acronyms mean. Mm. Um, so it, it really, if you think about it, like, okay, if I just wanted to read about it and not dig into some of this stuff, maybe it's only 20 pages or 21 pages, right? That, that doesn't seem as scary as 55. 55 really shouldn't be hard. Like for some people, you should be reading books and 55 pages isn't a very long book. It's going to be an intense book, but it's not a very hard book. So uh, I'm going to challenge myself to read this this month because I want to better serve you guys, uh, the, the MSP community, and, and have a better understanding of how this stuff works. But when, when you do go through this thing, you're going to learn that there's, there's different functions within the NIST framework, like identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. And then within those functions, there's going to be categories and subcategories of 
the different things that you should be doing. And they're not saying you should have antivirus and you should have spam filtering. I think they're a little more vague in, in what they're saying. Am I correct, Sean? Exactly. And that's exactly it, Steve. As I said, it's, it's a set of kind of list of things to think about. And, you know, even as you kind of outline the sort of the, the headings, you know, identify, protect, detect, respond, recover. They're trying to get you thinking about the whole area holistically and then give you the next layer of things to think about. And maybe there's some best practices highlighted in there, but you can't, you can't document all the things that people should think about because, as you know, it's all moving along so quickly, right? Um, well, not only that, but let's say, you know, I've, I've, I've got a checklist for NIST. Like, that checklist might be great for one customer because maybe you use that one customer to build it. But customer two over here, well, maybe their business is bigger and it's it's a you know it's a bigger beast to tame, right? So yeah. you might actually need a few extra tools to get the job done, or you may need a few extra concepts to think about. Maybe not necessarily tools to accomplish, but you know, maybe you need to check off a couple extra boxes within a tool just because of the, the size and nature of a business. So um, when when you think about your cybersecurity framework, it's not, here's a list of all the, the things and all the things I need to do, and there we go. Now we're compliant with NIST. Like, it doesn't work that way, right? It, I, I honestly think that's the, the worst possible outcome. <laughs> you know, it's that you, you, you kind of dust your hands off and say, yeah, I'm all set here, you know, time to you know, crack open a beer and uh, not worry about anything. Um, I kind of come at it from a completely different point of view, which is these are great kind of guardrails and things to think about and prompts. But just like the train wheels on a bike when you were a kid, you kind of should grow out of them and move past them and almost start to have your own opinion by virtue of your knowledge of your own or your customer's business. Um, what's the best fish solution that gives them the best bang for the buck on security for them? What are the things that they're worried about, right? I mean, we talked about healthcare earlier. That's been a really hot spot for ransomware attacks, right? Um, so that might be their focus. They might consider that from their own business perspective a really high-risk thing. So that then becomes a higher level of focus. And then you start to think about tools that are, you know, or maybe from their budget perspective, where's the best case to spend money from the point of view of what they're concerned most about from a risk perspective. But I think it's very, it's a very, um, that's the, the allure and danger of frameworks all rolled into one is that it makes you feel like you maybe you're being successful, but in reality, um, you still have to think for yourself independently and figure this stuff out, right? Hmm. So let's let's make some recommendations now. Um, it's important for MSPs to understand which frameworks that a their their customers have to adhere to. Like if you want to support medical practices and 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 companies that have patient data then you need to understand HIPAA and at least on the technology side, understand what things you can and can't do. 
not should or shouldn't. You need to understand what you can and can't, right? Yeah. Because there are things that you literally can't do by law, right? Yeah. I, I can't just call the doctor's office and say, hey, I heard uh, Tom Brady goes there. Um, what What's he seeing you for? They can't just tell me that. It's not that they shouldn't, which they yeah. shouldn't, but they literally can't. It's, it's a law, okay? So yeah. so those are can and can't. But, but you should also decide, like, okay, so if there are frameworks that um, are, are voluntary, right? So... I decide I want to use NIST or ISO or whatever. There's there's a bunch of, of the voluntary ones too, I'm sure. But I think NIST and ISO are probably the two biggest. You you argued earlier that there are four frameworks that are really important. I'm sure NIST and ISO are, are two of them. Yeah. What are the other two? I would say SOC 2 and CMMC. Okay. So you should you should as as somebody who's saying I don't know where to begin, I think the first thing that they should be doing or you should be doing is um, read about these different frameworks. And if if you say, okay, I want all of my my customers to be compliant with NIST, or I want what I'm doing for them to be compliant with NIST for whatever reason, right? Um, then then learn this and learn how to use it. But, you know, if, if you work with medical, you need to learn HIPAA. If you work with clients that um, maybe, you, maybe you work with a lot of retail clients, then you need to familiarize yourself with PCI DSS. Um, and then if you're going to work with a uh, government contract company, companies you know that type of you know where where they're where they're working with dod then familiarize yourself with cmmc and, and start working towards certification there um but but i think that i think that you need to like pick a framework i i think every msp needs to pick a voluntary framework and they need to start figuring out like how how do my 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 tools my software stack whatever you want to think of it as how does this align with my framework yeah and and start to figure that out and how what is the best approach to figuring out how all of these uh tools can align with the framework so i we've actually given a lot of thought to this for our own business um steve and i think the the way we define our own I suppose, security, posture, our roadmap, everything we're doing and have done and will continue to do on security. We, 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 we take a threat-led model. So, you know, the frameworks there, we obviously highly kind of aware of um, our certification on that and continue to stay certified and there's value in that in its own right. But um, we kind of look at it through the lens of, you know, look at all the potential things that could happen to us from a cybersecurity perspective, all the threat vectors right the threat vectors for your company you know for your systems your data and for your product and you really kind of have to sit down and we do this on a very regular basis right and sit down and go through what are all those threat vectors right and look at what we've done and assess it uh, critically 
you know, uh, really kind of, it's kind of a, you know, think about it through the worst case scenario. Have we really done what's necessary to protect us in this situation? Do we have the right things in place? And that then, you know, leads you into the roadmap of what do we need to do next, right? I think to your point about the, um, you know, people getting familiar with the frameworks, I think that's, you know, it is a journey. You've got to go out and read and explore and talk to people and, and learn more. But I think the, uh, I mean, we sell the tools, so we're very cognizant of the value they add, right? They add an enormous amount of value. But I think um, from the point of view of this conversation, it's great if you can think about the threat that the tool prevents, right? And how that fits into the risks you're trying to manage for your business. And then you know you're making the right choice because you've actually got the why all sorted out up front as to why. And in fact, from the point of view of an MSP, the real value there on top of all that is when you're actually discussing it with your customer, you're not just saying you should install X. You've got the whole, this is the threats you're potentially facing as a business. You know, this is how this will protect you from that, how it fits into a broader picture. And ultimately then it becomes a really easy sell. You should implement you know, the, the, the whatever the tool is you want to implement, right? So that, that's how I think about it anyway. All right. I, I like that. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of twofold. One, you've got all these tools that you currently have. You need to figure out, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep using the metaphor, which boxes do they check off as part of that framework, right? And do you have a bunch of overlap? Like, do you have two tools that are checking off the same boxes? Do you need to be using both of them? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do, does does it make sense for you to actually have both, or can you just use one? And that's and that's that other thing where it's like you know I know security is like an onion, um, but you know I I always think of it like you know ten years ago I remember you don't want to have two different antivirus apps running on the computer because then they'll just fight. You know, like when one's doing its job and the other's going to see the one and be like, oh, this is a virus, but it's just antivirus software. Mm -hmm. So um, or or that was always the fable that we told each other. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, uh, you know, should we have like, OK, we can get the spam filter by Titan HQ. But, you know, should we use that and then like uh, iron scales with it? You know, like at what point do are we are we just creating overlap and just paying for tools to have tools? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I am biased, Steve, just to put that on the table up front. But um, I understand. I understand. But, but but that being said, right, um, and I would say, you know, no one wants to see any more waste money, right? I mean, we we should all be, and I know the um tightness issue is definitely in the the business of creating value for our customers right that's the, the number one goal here you know that being said right it kind of comes down to um understanding what you're trying to achieve so um you know to take a specific example um it you're so what's the threat you're worried about you know is it phishing and ransomware okay well um what's the sort of uh, measures you're going to take to prevent that well you can actually do lots of different things, right? You can certainly um, uh, filter email, and we've just launched um, uh, late last year, you know, link rewriting, um, which is a great way to um, stop ransomware getting into your business. business. Obviously, Obviously, you know, you know 
from, from a Stanford, Stanford perspective, perspective, are you checking um, incoming emails for you know, malware, etc., um, for you know um, dodgy attachments? All that is part of it. Um, the origin of your emails, all those sort of things from a spoofing perspective, and so on. But, but there's, there's an, another aspect there that which is: Have you trained your staff? You know, know have, have you done? Have you got, got a good phishing simulation model in place? Right, and uh, we're actually about to. Uh, Make, make a pretty exciting announcement in that front as well. So um, stay tuned for that and at some point in the very, very near future. But, but it's kind of that, that thinking about the whole the holistic kind of layers of defense. It may well be that you choose for one vendor for one part of that and another for another part. Obviously, there could be a configuration thing. There could be, a, there could be something there that's kind of not, um, how do I put it? You know, you're, you're doubling, doubling up for no good reason. reason. But, but more often than not, I would imagine when when, you're, when, you're, when, 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 when this is being designed and implemented, um, the goal should be to have overlaps that are helpful, right? Um, and, and actually, actually, actually. And, and you know, maybe, maybe it's and and, and this, this is I'm 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 going to plead ignorance, okay? Maybe uh, the Titan HQ spam filter is like really great. At, at looking for one type of email threat, and then there's another product that's really great for looking a different type of email threat. So maybe you're doubling up because while while they're both checking off the same boxes, you want to make sure that you're protecting from all the different types of threats. Because even though email is a single threat vector in a, in a certain way, you know, um, there, there are, are different, different types of threats. So sometimes it's phishing and sometimes it's a malware link and, and, and you know, so, so yeah, there's, there's just different types of threats. And I'm, I'm not going to expect you to say, oh, well, yeah, our software is not very good at this, but the <laughs> MSPs may have found that they have better success using one type of software for one type of threat and another software for a different type. And that's okay, you know, as, as long as they know that that's why there's the overlap, right? Yeah, and, and, and the other thing to keep in mind there is that, um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time in the cybersecurity industry generally. There's um, a lot of investment, uh, things are moving forward pretty fast. I mean, we're expanding as a business extremely rapidly. We're, we're private equity backed. We're now, you know, really focusing in on um, heavy engineering investment um, in further improving costs um, and getting that sort of extensibility and coverage. Um, so there's, there, it also comes down to, um, like everything else, uh, what, what you think your, your real need is, um, what's the right value point um, for the problem you're trying to solve, um, and there's all sorts of other factors that can come into play there. But certainly, um, we feel like we've got a, a great solution at a really great price point um, in terms of how we cover um, spam filtering, you know, uh, anti-phishing as well now, um, a big part of our focus, uh, and of, of course, um, the web filtering and, and email archival space as well. Um, so, I mean, it really comes, in one sense, it's uh, the other aspect of considerability is, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the antivirus um, stuff fighting on, on the, um, the PC in days old, you know, but uh, there's, there's also that kind of, you know, um, interoperability that can give you an integration that can give you sort of additional synergies as well. That's a big focus for us in our roadmap right now. I like that. And, 
And I think we touched on this earlier, but it's more than just tools. You know, there are other things that an MSP should be doing for their clients if we say we want to be, you know, compliant with NIST or, or whatever the, the right way to say that is, right? Yeah. So um, it could be more like, all right, I know I'm going to put a spam filter in place, but another another piece is I also need somebody reviewing the logs and seeing, you know, what what kind of data is in the logs. And can you can you talk about like what should we be looking for in these logs, these these really long lists of text and blah? <laughs> that's well yeah that's a great question um i definitely like loads of people on my team would answer it um but i'd probably be the, one of the worst people to ask that question of but well say, that, oh, and to clarify i'm not asking you like what what error codes like i just mean in like a general right okay well i would say i mean we the way we're organized you know we use um uh you know we use systems um to actually uh, help us uh, understand um, what's going on um, in logs activity across our, our, our company, right? And, uh, you know, in one sense, the, the monitoring of the logs um, and you're looking for anomalous activity, um, that's a configuration aspect. You can find it, um, a dozen, you know, IDRs um, uh, that can um, look at that, look at that information and give you the, um, give you output. Um, it's actually the understanding as well as the technical expertise within your organization to be able to say, okay, so um, here's the things we're really worried about. We want to make certain we flag these up and that that goes to the right people and that if someone's out, that there's somebody else who's going to see that alert, you know, that type of... So it, it's it's interesting you bring up the, you know, um, the logging and monitoring and alerting um, space, Steve, because it's such a huge hugely important area from a security perspective. Uh, I think that the tooling part, um, you got to get it right, but the process behind that, um, or I suppose it overlays it in terms of what happens. That's, I mean, that's a perfect example of a control, right? You know, what's your monitoring mm -hmm. control um, associated with, uh, you know, if, uh, monitoring and alerting, right? How does that actually, um, what action does it drive when something happens? How do you decide that the alert is a false positive if you're going to close it off? Um, what's the action if it turns out that it is not a false positive? This is real. It needs further investigation. And what sort of timeline uh, or SLA should um, you know your customer expect in terms of you know that monitoring activity? Right. So, so there is. Um, it's for me. It's always all about the process. The tools are the enabler. Right. And. And that's exactly it. You know, the, the tools are a, a piece of this pie that is cybersecurity. Um, and I mean, if you're like me, like I love pie, so you should eat all of it, not just a just not just a piece. Eat the whole pie. <laughs> yeah. So so we know we've got you know the tools and we've got like logs and other things that we should be reviewing. And then I think that even if it's a voluntary framework that we decide we're working on and that's it, that's, you know, that's fine. You know, you got to start somewhere, right? Um, you should still also be doing something to like self audit. So, okay. I say I'm doing all of these things, 
Now, uh, maybe this employee should go look around and make sure that we're actually doing what we're saying we're doing. And if we're not, I'm not going to say it's okay, but you, you can't like beat yourselves up about it. What needs to happen is, oh, we have a, a deficiency we didn't realize we had. Now, now we've got a, a hold a patch. And, and that's the most that, I mean, I think they're all the most important thing, right? But that is the most important thing in, in some regards, because you need to know what you're not doing right. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's critical. I mean, that's back to the culture thing in the first place, Steve, which is people should feel like it's safe to share that they found an issue and it's not quite right, or there's an opportunity to improve and that it's not gonna be judged or someone's gonna get upset about it or whatever, because that's where, you know, the real problems build up in the background, right? Um, I think the, uh, the point of, you know, so what's a good mechanism to actually drive that process, right? It's um, uh, well, certainly a question um, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about is, but certainly the one that we we do, and one example of one thing we do, I suppose, would be, um, you know, uh, business continuity planning tabletop, right? Which sounds kind of complicated, but actually what you do is you bring all the, the important people into the room. Yeah, you have one person, in our case, our, um, our head of security, and they come up with a scenario, which is um, something's happened. You know, we got an alert. We've seen this information. It looks like it's real. What do we do now? And the great thing about that exercise is that it forces everyone to understand uh, the framework, uh, the policies, the controls, the processes, the tools. You've got to kind of have, um, you've got to navigate all that in the simulation, right? And your, um, your uh, I suppose, if you can think of it, it's a bit like um, Dungeons and Dragons a bit, like so the, um, the head of security is the dungeon master, and the rest of you are working your way through that um, maze of this is the problem that we've just been presented with, and how do we use what we have at our disposal to figure out uh, how to actually um, get through this, and what are the things we should do. And what's great about those processes, and we do it, we do it every six months, right? And they are intense. Um, everyone's very engaged uh, because it's it feels real, which is what is great about it, right? It's um, but it also, um, you find your deficiencies pretty quickly. Um, whether it's, does people, do people even know what the procedure is they're supposed to be following? You know, that's kind of a, it's sort of a, you know, finding the information you need to use fast is kind of a basic starting point, right? But you'd be surprised how, how that can, uh, you know, uh, can be um, a, a blocker to start with at least. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it gets everyone educated and it, it's like a training session but you're making it, the stakes are high and it counts and you're kind of scoring yourself on it as well as a team. So I gotta say, I, I love that, Sean. Uh, but there, that brings up the awkward conversation now. For some of these MSPs where it's just one guy, mm. it's gonna be really awkward for him to play D&D &D by himself. <laughs> That's right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so so how, yeah. Does, how does he do it? What was the, what is the one man? MSP do to make sure he's doing it right. I think, I mean, I think that's part of the value proposition you're bringing to the table, Steve. You've got to have, you've got to have friends, right? You've got to have people that you can talk to that will um, give you a point of view, especially if you're, 
if you're if you're kind of you're operating by yourself um you've got to figure out a way to get some external insight on these things uh, i mean none of us is that good for being honest that's the reality um you can you can know an awful lot um the trick is in some respects with all this is to figure out what you can learn um off your own bat as you go along and what are things you don't want to learn the hard way right especially at the expense of the customer that's obviously the and and i too have some fun announcements coming soon in that regard so you guys will need to stay tuned to rocket msp for that um so i want to i don't forget we're going to have that other conversation about ukraine but um i want to wrap this conversation up with one last i'm going to call it topic i want to break this down into a checklist But before you tell me we can't make a checklist out of a cybersecurity framework, hear me out. If you saw an MSP that maybe they're just doing like antivirus and Titan HQ spam filter, while you're happy they're using Titan HQ spam filtering, um, there's a lot more that they need to do. What do you tell them? Like here, you know, and I'm just going to say an arbitrary number. It's okay if you tell me we need to change the number. I, I need you to do these five things if you want to be able to improve not just your cybersecurity posture, but your knowledge on how to use and implement uh, cybersecurity in a meaningful way. Yeah, it's um, so there's almost like two layers you could attack that kind of question at, right? Um, there's the what are the, the basics? So what's the basic checklist? just things that you should kind of nail on the wall in front of you and think about every day. And if you kind of can cover those, you're probably going to be improving your situation pretty quickly. And then there's a kind of the bigger picture, which maybe is, you know, for bigger organizations to consider. Right. Um, Well, and that's, and that's true. But I think as MSPs, we've gotten to a point where I think we all need to look at the bigger picture. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say, you you know, you, you should have an antivirus and a spam filter and this and this and this. I, that's no. I'm, I'm saying let's break this down to, all right, hey, Sean, I want to get better at cybersecurity because right now I, I say I'm cybersecurity focused, yeah. but I'm, I'm probably really not because I don't even know what a NIST framework is. What what do you what do you tell me when I say I want to get started? I want to I want to do better. I want to do this right. I want to do right by my customers. How do I learn, and how do I actually do? So the how do you well the I mean breaking it down a little bit. Um, you got a few options. I mean we talked about reading. Etc. If you're going after the framework, I think you can get yourself a long way through just um, reading and really sort of exploring these spaces. Um, personally, I think once you get past a certain scale, if you can find outside help um, uh, in terms of the company to help you think about um, understanding what you want out of the framework and how you're going to get there, if you're going for certification, um, you know, then that's. That's the route that certainly worked for us. We had a, we already had a phenomenal base in place. In many respects, we were just confirming it to the world at large that we were there um, when we did that. Um, 
but the uh, there will still even some learnings in that um, from our perspective, and there probably will be ongoing. But in terms of, I mean, day to day, you know, the day to day stuff that if I was starting out myself in the space, um, you know, they're they're kind of the mother of an apple pie. This is really comes down to you know things like you know just patching everything all the time and making a discipline and a, and a kind of control around that and making that sort of the basics there. The you know your your own training and training for your customers, whether that's you know. Uh, phishing simulation, awareness of, um, you know, just awareness of what cybersecurity risks there are out there. There's a lot um, that you can do there for yourself. I mean, one practice I have, I use uh, Flipboard a lot, and it has um, some phenomenal cybersecurity magazines. And every evening, um, when I find myself tempted to do something um, a little bit less productive, I read that for half an hour. And and just every single day, something new goes into my head off the back of that. But it keeps me up to date on what's going on in the world, what types of threats are occurring. You know, um, obviously helps drive our own um, sort of broader um, perspective in the company. But for me personally, in terms of my learning, that's a great, great one. Um, I think that, you know, that kind of um, building, even if it's the basics to start with, thinking of how do you monitor stuff? How do you have eyes on when you're not there? Right. And how, how can we get, get to you quickly if something is looking a little bit, you know, um, out of kilter, right? right. Um, that's, that's another, um, you know, key basic thing. Um, another one that I think, you know, um, uh, from an MSP perspective is really important. Um, you know, as you look at um, 2FA and MFA are, you know, just the best um, uh, in terms of... Um, you know, you know uh, stopping anything um, uh, think to do with sort of, of um, uh, you know, authentication attack, right? Like they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're fantastic. So um, any back attack will be, will be stopped um, um, virtually. Any. So that's another basic, basic one, right? right? And then, and then finally, finally, you know, backing back stuff up, up right? Um, um, these days, days, more so than ever, right? You've got that challenge of ransomware attack, encrypted, data that, that can potentially be, you know, made public or whatever. That's one type of issue. But, but, but the bigger issue that we see with ransomware attacks, um, you know, uh, is that it takes the business down. The business stops making money. The Whatever it is that that organization does stops. That's the, I mean, the ransomware, the ransom is one issue and data loss and um, so on is another huge issue. But, but your business not being able to operate is, is the biggest, biggest issue, without, without question. question. Right, like, you, you have, have to be able to run your business. business. And that's, that's why backup is so important in thinking about what you're going to do there. there. Um, and being ultra-paranoid when it comes to backup. Area after backups is where I would suggest people think of that. It's not hard, not that hard to do. might be, you know, measure your... Measure your expense there, storage and costs and all that sort of stuff. But if you can get it somewhere where no one else can get it, Right, right, and keep, and keep it, it updated pretty regularly. regularly. That, that gives you or your customers specifically um, uh, a get, get out, out of jail, jail right, right, if something, if, if things really go south, right. Um, and of course, that, that has to hang low with, with a little bit of DR every, every now, now and then, then right. right. So, so um, if you've got, you got the backup, the backup it's, it's only as good as you know it is by actually using it in anger to confirm that you could reinstate key services for your customer, right. Um, so, so think about all those different layers.
the trade, we get ahead of these things, um, all the way back to down to if something goes really badly wrong, I can still get things back up and running. I love, I love that. that. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. I really, I really appreciate, appreciate you coming, coming out here, here and having, having this conversation. conversation. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm also really hopeful, hopeful that uh, to, the to the MSPs, MSPs that aren't, aren't doing, doing cybersecurity security or, or, they, or they know they're, they're not doing, doing it as well as they should, should um, you, you, you do, do need, need to find like a group, group of people. people that you, that you can, can work, work with, with that, that can, can help, help you along. It's it's, it's it's okay to admit you don't know, know but be careful, careful who you admit it to, to because you know, if you do it to all Reddit or all Discord, Discord you know, you're, 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 you're going to get some, some people, people that are going to tell you that you should just close your business and uh, just, just go, go deliver pizza, pizza because there are people out there that I think that this world has jaded them and uh, uh for, for whatever, whatever reason, reason right? right so you know, you know find, find yourself a group of, of you know five, five to ten msps that you can sit down and you know round table this stuff out, out. You, know, you know sit down, down with somebody, somebody that's actually a, an mssp that you know, you know has, has proven, proven that they know what they're doing, doing and, and see if, if see if they, they can mentor you, you. um but, but more, more importantly look into ISO 27001 or NIST cybersecurity framework and uh, figure out which one you know speaks to you and um, pick one and, and say, you know what, I'm going to make it my goal. It's, it's, it's still early enough in the year. We're not done with January yet. yet. Let's, let's, let's make it your goal to, to pick a framework and start implementing it. And, 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 and see, see how, how far you get in here, man. man. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll, you'll like, like have, have, have this like newfound like confidence. confidence. And you're, you're, you're going to go out and you're going to pick, pick up better, better clients. clients. And you're going to make, make more, more money. money. And, and you're going to charge, charge more. more. Because now, now you're, you're able to say, hey, you know, we adhere to NIST or ISO or whatever, right? And, you know, we can never guarantee that you'll never get hacked. But... We have, we have a lot, lot more measures, measures in place, place than, than let's, let's be, honest, be honest, the average, average MSP. MSP. And you know, you know we, we our, our, our goal is to safeguard data. data. Absolutely, it's, it's a, a huge, huge marketing, marketing um, aid, but I mean that in the most positive sense, as you point out, and um, see which is it builds trust with customers to see that you put the effort in. You know, you know, to, to engage, engage with, with a framework, framework to, think to think critically, critically about how you do things, things and ultimately, um, that's, that's just so, so reassuring, reassuring um, for your customers. customers they, they see you're making that effort because it's. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I think it's a. It's becoming. It's becoming a standard. I think that's one thing we can say over the last year or two. There's been so much more media coverage around. You know, you know um, cybersecurity cyber issues, issues, ransomware attacks, etc. Et it's, it's kind of, of a, it's, it's mainstream media coverage these days. Though, it's, it's not a, a neat, uh, niche thing anymore. So, so that, that, that um, that's, that's putting, putting stuff from the center in everybody's, everybody's minds, minds, right? right. Um, um, the candy, candy store, store, the dental, dental practice, practice, you know, uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Every business suddenly is quite concerned about this stuff, you know? So I think that is, um, but a big, a big driver, driver, you know. You know. Well, well, thank, thank you, you again, again, Sean. Sean. I, I really, really appreciate, appreciate this conversation. conversation.
now. Let's, let's, let's talk, talk about, about Ukraine. Ukraine. Um, um, here's, here's, here's where, where I, I kind, kind of stand. stand. Um, um, we, we, we just, we just had, had a great, great let, me, let, me, let me give some feedback, feedback uh, background, background first. first. Um, gosh, um, gosh, I almost feel like we should, we should start, start over. over. Hi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really so, um, we just, we had, just a had a great conversation, conversation about cybersecurity. cybersecurity. Go, listen Go listen to that, that episode, episode if, if uh, maybe, maybe you just, just don't feel like you're doing cybersecurity as well as you should. It is geared to the beginning, just to warn you. Um, so, so Ukraine, Ukraine. I'm, I'm in, in America, America. And, and because, because of, that, of that, physically, I'm not, I'm not really close, close to, to you, Ukraine. Ukraine. Like, like you, you are, are in the, in the same, same, well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Ukraine's, Ukraine's still, still Europe, Europe, right? right? It's, yeah. it's, hard it's hard when it's, when it's, when it's Eastern, Eastern Europe, Europe, right? right? You know, you know, like, like, like everything, everything that was... Was, was uh, uh, east, east of, of Berlin. Berlin. I think, I think, all, think all that, that was, was, was was USSR, USSR right? right? It was, it was certainly, certainly the um, the, um, the uh, Soviet, Soviet bloc, bloc, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 Terms, right. but uh, they were they were different countries, I guess. But uh, sort of under the influence of the USSR at the time. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so, so to, to show my age, age you know, I'm in my late thirties. So I think a lot of that went away while I was still in like grade school. So, so it's, it's it's difficult for me to understand or fathom what Europe was like when I was younger, younger you know, back, back in the 80s and 90s. 90s. I've, I've never been, been to Europe, Europe. so, so it's, it's difficult for me to fathom what it's like now. I'm, I'm here's, here's here's how dumb, dumb I am, and, and this is me making fun, fun of myself. I see you wearing that brand jacket. And uh, uh, that's, that's the, the kind where you can hit a button and, and, and it heats up, up like, like the, the, the pockets, right? right? No, no, this, this doesn't have that. that. It's just insulated. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that, that brand, they also make and like, like the logo lights up to tell you that it's that it's, that it's on. So, so it, it lights up, up and it tells you like the, the hand warmers are on inside the pockets. And I think it might have warmers inside all around the jacket too, but I don't remember. Um. But here's, but here's how, how dumb, dumb I am. Wow, wow they, they sell, sell that, that brand, brand over in Europe? Europe? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the global economy, Steve, isn't it? You know, I think it's the, um, the, the reality. You know, certainly, I, I've, and I've worked and lived in the U.S. over my career extensively. So from my perspective, it almost feels like there's no real difference. Obviously, Obviously um, in certain parts, parts of Europe, there's different, different languages, languages and, and, and so, so on. on. But, but the reality, reality is, is that, that uh, there's an awful lot that, that is common um, across those um, sort of two geographies, I would say. And, and, and certainly, it wouldn't, it wouldn't seem it wouldn't seem so different, different, different to you if you landed in, in Dublin or uh, London or Paris or anywhere like that. You'd see a lot of things that you would recognize, right? I'm sure it would, but. I'm like, like, I get, I get excited, excited when I recognize things, things you know, you know when, when, when I'm looking at, uh, you know, somebody's, somebody's office from thousands of miles away, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm still in that, you know, I'm just in this suburb in Ohio. I'm not, I'm not near, near like, like New York, York City or LA or any of those major hubs of the US, US right? right? Like, like I'm, I'm near Cleveland. Cleveland. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, sure one, one time, time it was great, great but, but, <laughs> so, so so i guess, I guess what, what i'm saying, saying is when when, when, when i think, think of ukraine, ukraine 
I have, I have no, no idea, idea what, what to think, think of. of. Like, like I, I think, think of, of uh, uh, probably, probably you, know, you know a really, a really cold country in the eastern, eastern portion of Europe. Europe. It's, it's always, always cold. It's always dreary. It's, it's always, always rainy because that's, that's what, what it always looks like, like in the movies. movies. And, and uh, people, people are sad and hungry. Okay, okay. And, and, and not the country. They're, they're actually, actually just starving. starving. Um, and I, and feel, I feel bad. bad. But, but that, that, that is what Hollywood is done to me. Yeah, that's for sure, Steve. I'm sure it's a beautiful place. And the cool thing is, you know, like all of Europe. Like you guys have had your... You have, you have such, such a rich, rich history, history, okay? So, so I, I want to clarify that, that this, this is me being a little silly, and, and this, this is me just, just kind of uh, giving, giving in to the, the stupid American, American stereotype, okay? So, so I just, just want to clarify, clarify that I know Ukraine is a beautiful country with wonderful, wonderful people, but, but it's also right, right now got a lot of darkness going on. True. I have not been keeping up on some of, some the, of the news from over, from over there, there because, because the, the news, news just, just makes me sad and it, and it, and it, and it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't give, give me any hope, hope for the, for the future. future. So, so can, can you please explain? explain? You, you said, said cyber, cyber warfare, warfare and, and that, that freaks, freaks me the, the bleep, bleep out. out. Okay. okay. Please, please explain, explain what's, what's going, going on and why, and why America should care. Uh, yes, yes, well, well I mean, there's, there's several levels, levels of that, but I'll, I'll stick to the cyber warfare, warfare part of it, of it. Um, given that's, that's uh, also something, something I'll know slightly more about. about. But, but uh, the, um, so recent hostilities, as well, well kind of documented in the, in the media, media between, between um, Russia, Russia um, the Ukraine, and, and, and NATO, NATO, I guess, more specifically, um, as well, have, you know, sort of started to reach a bit of a fever pitch recently, and there's been a lot of... It's diplomacy going, going on between the various, various camps, camps to try and wipe things down a bit, like that's well covered um, in the media generally these days. Not looking, not looking good, good, I think, would be a fair summation of things where they are right now, based on what I've read in the last 24 hours. The, um, I suppose the other key thing that happened, um, maybe two things that are noteworthy for um, your listeners to think about here. One is that um, part, part of, of the initial, the initial I guess, uh, saber rattling that's taken place um, by Russia has actually involved a pretty extensive, extensive um, cyber attack on both government and commercial entities in the Ukraine. Ukraine. Right. right. So, so that's, that's uh, you know, uh, obviously, obviously disturbing, disturbing for folks in Ukraine and those businesses and for that, that, that whole country, country which, is, which is, you know, it's a, it's big, a big country, country right? Um, the, but the other but aspect, aspect of this that's interesting is that, you know, um, the Ukraine's actually um, a pretty popular uh, location. Um, for uh, and has, has you know, many, many trade relationships, relationships with other countries, other countries including, including the US, US for a variety of reasons, reasons right? Um, so, so um, I think um, earlier today, CISA um, released, uh, uh, I guess, an advisory, advisory um, for, for all um, US, um, US companies, institutions, institutions etc., to, to consider, consider how, how to harden, harden further, further your security, security measures, measures if, if um, you, you have, have any, any 
working relationship with Ukrainian um, companies or with Ukrainian entities, right? On the basis that um, they are a, uh, an obvious um, and proven already target um, for, um, you know, let's call Russian cyber warfare attacks. It's, as I think everyone listening to this will know, extremely hard to know how far these things will go, how much of it is... Distraction from something, from something else, and much of it is part of a broader play. play. Um, I suppose um, only and they themselves will know that. that. Uh, so, so then it kind of comes down to what can you do, do uh, from, your from your own perspective, if you happen to have relationship with Ukrainian company as a partner in some way to ensure that you're not exposed by virtue of that additional risk that this is going to bring to the table. So. The, the, the thing, the thing that, 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 that I think I, think I, want, to I want to ask, ask is, is right, now, right now there's there's I mean I, I think, mean, I think it's, it's been years, years now because because it's really it's difficult, really difficult you, know, you know 2020 was a hell of a decade, decade right right so so um, Russia, Russia is wanting, wanting to invade, invade the Ukraine. Ukraine. And we, and we think, think we're, we're, I, I, think, I think my, my assumption, assumption is because, because uh, Ukraine, Ukraine doesn't, it doesn't order, it order uh, um, one of the one seas, of the seas out, there out there that has access, access to the ocean. ocean. Yeah, it's, yeah, so it's so the Cassian Sea. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So it's, so it's, it's able, it's able Russia, Russia does not have, have any ports, ports on, on the West, the West that aren't, that aren't uh, surrounded, uh, surrounded by like icebergs. <laughs> I, 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 well, well <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know that's the issue, um, Steve, to be honest. honest. I think, I think that, that um, it's more it's likely, more likely um, from what I from read, read, that uh, uh, Ukraine, Ukraine um, you know, uh, it was, it was a, Soviet, a Soviet um, um uh, uh, Republic, Republic, whatever you want to call it, call um, back in the back day, in the day back, as you say, in the 80s. 80s. Um, with um, the break of the Soviet Union, um, it became its own uh, country. Uh, and it's been on a journey to becoming a, essentially a Western democracy over that time, which culminated in a, um, a fairly well um, publicized um, uh, I suppose, uh, um, war, war that took place in 2014 within that country. Whereas, essentially, they, the people of the Ukraine, Ukraine uh, opted, uh, opted for democracy, for democracy uh, and, and uh, uh, sort of uh, moved, uh, in, moved that in that direction. So, so now they're now a Western, Western democracy, democracy they border they border Russia, Russia um, uh, on a you know, substantial part of their border. border. And I think and Russia, I think is, Russia quite is quite concerned, concerned um, um, uh, about, about the idea, the idea of, of the Ukraine becoming part of NATO, or generally speaking, that sort of close proximity of a Western military presence to their border. Because right now their border includes Poland, EU, Belarus, which is a former U.S. sorry, a former USSR state, but still very closely aligned with the USSR, and the Ukraine. Right, it might be another few bits and pieces in the middle there, that good at least European geography, but. But that's, oh, but that's so it's not just Americans. Americans. No, well, no, really, well it's, no, it is a big it place. Um, not reasonably, reasonably well, well, but, um, but um, it's, it is, it's more to do with that type of, type of um, political, political. That's the political, that's the political driver. driver. I'm sure there's loads and loads in this on Bios. I'm not a geopolitical analyst on the CTO, so I definitely want to stay away from what I'm not good at. 
but it's already is. And I do understand that. And I guess all I'm asking is for opinion based Because let's be honest, all the news is anyway. So let's give our cybersecurity analysis of what's happening. So, um, it, so okay, it, so, okay. Ukraine, Ukraine is, is kind of a big kind of country, a big country though. though. So so uh, uh, it it would make it, would it make so it that, so way, that way they, they are closer, closer to the west, to the west if, they, if, if they took over, took the, over Ukraine. the Ukraine. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So sure, like, sure, they'd, like have, they'd have they'd have Romania, Romania and Belarus. Belarus and, um, I think it's I think it's Moldovia. Moldovia. So M O L Yes, yes, essentially, essentially it's a bit more nuanced than that. But yeah. Oh, so so yeah. can you explain can you explain that? that? <laughs> the, 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 the quick version, uh, so, without, so, without yeah. offending them. No, no. <laughs> so I'm afraid <laughs> somebody, from, somebody from, from Finland, from Finland, Finland will call me up and give me a hard time. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so, uh, it's it's there is kind of layers of membership with the EU, roughly speaking, very roughly speaking. I didn't I didn't know that. Not always sort of a member. Yeah, they're trading partner and Sweden, Finland are members, right? So I think that's just the nuance there. But you're you're pretty much spot on there. I mean, I mean, I suppose the bottom line is it is like all these things, Steve. It's being driven by. A variety of variety factors, factors um, mainly, mainly driven by, driven by you, know, you know, I suppose, I suppose military, military considerations, considerations um, um, and um, obviously, obviously, you know, I suppose, you know, competing, competing um, um, ideologies, ideologies as, it always, as it always ends up being, ends up being like this in these cases. And there may be other factors at play, play, but those are probably some of the big ones. I think the takeaway for for us for from us, a cyber security cyber perspective, perspective is, is if you are if dealing, you are dealing with, with um, businesses in the Ukraine, um, I suppose it's two things, two things that we're, we're certainly um, conscious of right now thinking about this. One is, one is you, know, you know, as, as CISA, CISA has have already, already pointed out, pointed out um, and that's and actually a great document, document and, and I can find the link after this and post it in the chat if you like. Here's the thing to think about, think about um, um, if you are in that position and things you can do to up your game, if you have concerns, and you should have, about potential, I suppose, push through. I suppose that's the thing, the focus from, I mean, the Russian sort of cyber warfare kind of, I suppose, or, you know, Whatever that Whatever is, that that's, is that's, that's that's it's hard to predict, predict what the implication of that will be um, for businesses in the Ukraine. Ukraine. So therefore, one should take measures, assume the worst in the short to medium term. The other thing I think would be important to think about, which is less of a cybersecurity issue, just a general issue, is if you have dependencies on businesses in the Ukraine, you know, if things do get. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose move to the next, next level, level of hostilities. hostilities what will be the implications, implications from your business from your perspective, perspective with that and how do you deal with that? Right. Right. Um, so those are those are those are the sort of things, sort of things I'd be certainly, certainly, certainly personally, personally recommending, recommending people, think, people about. think about. 
I, apparently, I, apparently you don't you don't mute your mute your microphone. Mic talk, talk. I just thought I just thought I'd share. share. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Well, well. So, 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 so the one thing, the one that, thing I that I remember you mentioned before, before was you, you, you like to you stay, like to stay up, up on the news, news and you use and you Flipboard, flipboard and, and on Flipboard, flipboard you, you, do you, do you just do like, just a, like a cybersecurity cyber search, search on Flipboard, on flipboard or, are or are there specific magazines, magazines that you read? That you read? Uh, there or, is, or is um, you know what I mean? I, um, I tend to, um, Pick out the topics I'm interested in, and that's the great thing about Flipboard is you can you can search in the I think the term it says what's your passion, very end of the list when you're looking at the app. Then to use my phone for that sort of stuff. The but when you if you search for cybersecurity there, you can just click on cybersecurity. Then it will give you a subset of areas of interest in relation to cybersecurity, and you can set it up as one of your one of your magazines, and it will just add new stuff in all the time. Right, but it's all finished reading ten or fifteen articles, and usually says there are new articles in your feed. So you get them. It can be it a little bit of repetition in the way that the, the engine works on that, on that stuff in, but generally speaking, it's a, it's a, a really a great labor-saving labor way, way to get, to get access, access to, to, you know, what's been published around cybersecurity in the world of charge. I, 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 like I like that. So, so uh, for, uh, those, for those of you who maybe, maybe don't, use, don't flipboard, use flipboard, consider, consider it, it because that because one, that one is, is uh, I'm going to call it call device, device agnostic. agnostic. You can get, you can get it on Android, Android and, and iOS. And maybe and you're, maybe one, you're of those, one of those, I'll call you I'll call weirdos, weirdos because you've because got, you've an got iPad, an iPad, an Android, Android phone. phone. <laughs> you can use the same flipboard account on both. But maybe your... Uh, just, uh, a, just a, a great guy, great guy like me, like me and you use, uh, use Apple, uh, Apple everything. everything. Um, I'm um, sure you can sure do, do a cyber cybersecurity security search, search. Uh, in, uh, the in the Apple News app. app. In fact, in you fact, can. The top, the top result is, is cybersecurity cyber topics. topics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can uh, follow, you can follow that, topic. that topic. And it'll, and give, it'll you give you stories. stories I'm sure, just, I'm sure just like Flipboard. Everything, everything from, from you know Vice, Vice and, and uh, CNN, uh, CNN to PC Mag and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Entrepreneur. So, so anything, anything cybersecurity related, related um, um, it, it'll 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 kind it'll of kind of group it all together. All together for you. So, so um, um, I like that I like Flipboard. It sounds like it like it helps you dig even deeper. Through cyber security, security. Whereas, Apple whereas Apple News, it seems, it like, seems it's like it's going to very, very much be, um, if you type in cyber security, you're just going to get cyber security. When you dig, when you dig deeper, deeper, can you give, can me, you give me an idea, idea of some of the like deeper, deeper kind of kind topics, topics you, might, you, might, you might find, find yourself, in yourself in cyber security? Yeah, yeah. Uh, think of just think a recent, just a recent example, example. Um, S bombs, right? Right. Uh, actually, actually, something, something that that's kind of kind just starting to come to the fore. I would say in the last, well, for me, I'll be within the last year. Last year. Um, so what's an so S bomb? It's a software bill of materials, right? So I guess the question is, what is bill of materials, right? So you know, bill of materials is a bit of a. A term, a term from a, from a manufacturing, manufacturing perspective, perspective, which is all the bits and pieces you need to build, build something. something. Um, if you were in a, 
a factory or manufacturing or whatever, you know. An S-bomb is actually essentially the exact same thing, but it relates to an application. Right, so it's what are all the components that you use to build your application. And that might seem a little bit odd, but these days, so much of what makes up everything that we use, every application, as I watched your recent podcast on Steve on the Loud 4J, that particular vulnerability. But that's just an example of an open source package that is highly prevalent in any JavaScript-based development. Right, so so an S-bomb is a great way for, I suppose, from a vendor to a customer perspective to share this is what's in the application and to confirm that we are up to date in terms of, you know, that we have no open present, present vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities um, you know in terms, you know, in terms of, the, of the particularly the open the source, open source uh, or third-party uh, third components, components that might make up a, make up a product, product. Um, um, but that's a, that's, that's a, a very that's recent a very thing that's come up. That's just an example of something that's kind of come up from that sort of feed, Steve, because it's back to the supply chain thing. You know, you've got to be able to trust. If you're buying from Titan HQ, you've got to be able to trust that we've done our due diligence and that we've forced anyone that we're working with to ensure they've done their due diligence and so on and so forth. And that's how you make the supply chain secure. I really, I really appreciate, appreciate that. that. Um, um, Sean, Sean, I, I, thank you so thank much, you so for, much coming for coming on, on and speaking, and speaking with, me with me today. Uh, this uh, has, this been has been a treat, and, and I do, I do hope you guys, you guys will uh, come, back come back and tell and us tell more about your product products sometime. I would love to, I would do, love that. to do that. Absolutely, Absolutely. It would be a pleasure. Be a pleasure. Thank, thank you so much for the invite to come on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of which, uh, Sean, uh, Sean is, is uh, again, again from, from Titan, Titan HQ, HQ and, and um, can you can you just real quick, just real quick you guys you guys do DNS based security and filtering, email spam and phishing attack, attack prevention, prevention. Uh, email email archiving, archiving and then, and then uh, uh, encryption. encryption. Um, so so email encryption. So so a lot of a lot of email and then also some some web and and. Fingers, fingers crossed, crossed, you guys are going to start, start, start to get deeper, deeper into cybersecurity functions, functions for, for MSPs. MSPs. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big That's focus a big for us, for us is, uh, on a number of fronts, actually. actually. So, so uh, uh, I think a couple of things are on my mind right now. One is rounding out our offerings to be more complete on a number of fronts. And as I mentioned previously, we're... We're in the closing, We're the closing stages, stages of adding, of adding uh, uh, a, a phishing simulation, simulation and, and, and security, security training, training offering um, to, the company, to the company. So, so there'll be an announcement on that, on that. Um, any day any now, day right? Now, right. And, uh, and uh, really excited really about excited that about and how we'll add to our offering. We're also We're investing also heavily on a number of fronts this year. I guess, guess anti-phishing anti and, and, and really, really uh, adding, adding further, further to the technology, technology to really catch those um, um, 
Nawal's ever-evolving ever evolving trends, trends that come in this space, space is a big is focus, a big focus for, us for us going into 2022 and beyond. And I suppose the other big area we focus, focus on actually uh, is, is, you know, that you know, sort, that of, sort of, of mentioned before, integration, integration um, you know, the user the experience, user experience and how that sort of enables, enables ease of use and configuration and management from an MSP perspective. You know, I know there's, it's a big area for MSPs, you know, just being able to track the billing, make that, make my life easy. Right, that's, right, the goal, that's the goal, right? So that is something that's kind of front and center in our minds uh, this year. Uh, this year. So, uh, so that's definitely that's stuff definitely to watch out for. Matt, Matt, that's so cool. I, I look forward, I look forward to, 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 seeing to seeing some of the things that you really guys release here soon. soon. Um, um, Sean, Sean, thank you again. Thank you again. And, and hopefully, hopefully we will we see each other again sometime very soon. I look forward to it. Absolutely, Steve.